just in time for summer, the folks at Epic Brewing have released a new canned cocktail, the Utah Margarita. A delicious blend of real lime and agave, the Utah Margarita is ready to drink by the river or in the park. And here's the kicker, no need to buy it at a liquor store. Pick up a six-pack of Epic Brewing's Utah Margarita at any local Harmon's or Trader Joe's, or visit Epic Brewing on State Street in downtown Salt Lake City. Here's what Salt Lake's talking about. There are roughly 20 black-owned banks left across the entire United States, and now one of them will be in Holiday, Utah. A group of prominent black investors have purchased Holiday Bank and Trust just down the road from us. They include former White House policy advisor Ashley Bell, Dr. Bernice King, the daughter of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. and Coretta Scott King, and former NFL player Dahani Jones. And pending federal regulatory approval, Holiday Bank will soon have a new name, Redemption Bank. So wait a minute. Utah is the future of black banking? What could that mean? It's Wednesday, October 18th. I'm Ali Vallarta, and this is CityCast Salt Lake. Ashley Bell, you are the CEO of Redemption Holding Company and co-founder of the National Black Bank Foundation. In February of this year, yourself, Dr. Bernice King, and former NFL player Dahani Jones purchased Holiday Bank and Trust in Holiday, Utah, which is just a little bit south of us here in Salt Lake City. It will soon bear the name Redemption Bank and be the only black-owned bank in the Mountain West. Now, I heard you speak about this a few weeks ago, and you said something along the lines of, the future of black banking is in Utah. So why Utah and why now? You know, Utah is, everyone knows it's the number one state for banking in our country. And so it's just a phenomenal opportunity to be in such a great regulatory state. Uh, this is where I, all the ILCs are as far as industrial loan banks. But it's also where a lot of digital banks reside. When you talk about SoFi's of the world, the allies of the world, many banks that we have a great relationship with. And so you think about if you had to, pick a state to start a bank that you want to have uh, national aspirations as well as a concern for the local community. Utah was, was, was just a, a magnificent fit for us. And, and we think that the, the, the bank and Holiday and the Spradling family that have you know, grown that bank for the last 40 years have just been phenomenal partners and have done just a really good job of creating a really pristine you know, local community bank that uh, is respected by people locally, is used by people locally. And we think that's where we start. And then after that, you know, we have our eyes set to making sure that we can have the impact that we want nationwide. Who will be served by Redemption Bank that may not have been properly served by Holiday Bank and Trust? Because I get the vision, but like day to day, what changes? Well, I think locally for those customers that have been in Holiday for a while, obviously they'll see the same familiar faces that have served you for a long time. But then you'll also get additional staff that are going to come in because we have additional capital to really, you know, enhance the existing products of Holiday. But I think the biggest thing is from a technological perspective, uh, getting a chance to receive those services you've always had, but doing it from your phone, doing it from the web. Uh, and, and that's something that Holiday just really hadn't had a need to invest in. They were so hyper-local. But I do think by doing that, it'll create less friction for the existing customers. Uh, and, and then you get a chance to, to reach outside of the Holiday market, even in Salt Lake City. We've had tremendous support from the local business community and people who are supportive of the bank coming to Holiday. And we think we can you know, do 
uh, pretty well in the Salt Lake City market by adding that digital component so that we can be on par with the other banks that are in the marketplace. So we're, we're looking forward to that at the local level um, because that's our first priority. Our first priority is to be a competitive bank locally. And we think with the additional capital that we're raising and going to invest in Holiday uh, as we do the transformation, uh, it's just going to be a great opportunity for our customers. I hear you on why Utah is an attractive place to bank, but I'm looking at census data for Holiday Utah. It is 90% white. So for the now only Black-owned bank in the Mountain West, why Holiday? Why not Salt Lake City or West Valley or a more diverse piece of the state? Well, I think when you look at Utah as a whole, I think it's like 2% Black. <laughs> so I don't, I don't really know if there's like any pocket that is particularly more diverse for our purposes. And so I think that in the, in the larger scheme of things, um, you know, when you look at a state like Utah, it has a, a roughly a little bit less than 2% African-American population. You start with the ability to have the resources in a regulatory environment to reach those underserved communities no matter where they are, right? And to do that, technology is going to be big. I mean, this isn't the 80s and the 90s where banks were in a you know, rush to buy real estate, to build branches for everybody to wait in line on Friday at five o'clock to, you know, bring in a check in the long line and get it cashed or get it deposited. Uh, you know, that day is done, you know, so in, in the new banking environment, your ability to do everything that you used to do in a bank has to be able to be done outside and mobily. And so when that is the case and that is the future of banking, it gives you a lot of opportunity to be able to reach people uh, in a multitude of ways. And so, yes, there's significant pockets of Utah that could receive additional support when it comes to lending that have not been as robustly served as, as many would like in the community. And we're going to focus on many of those areas and making sure we're doing the outreach and the connectivity there to make sure that people understand that we're a mission-driven bank. I mean, at the end of the day, uh, when you have a mission of making sure that you serve the least, the last, and the left behind, then you, you have an obligation to make sure that you find those pockets. But to do that in today's environment, it's going to be just as important for us to have the technology to reach someone in Salt Lake City as it is in Oakland, as it is in Phoenix, as it is in Atlanta. Uh, and we think that's the future of the bank. The future of the bank is to use that technology to reach primarily underserved communities. And that can be a little bit of everybody when you talk about demographics. I mean, these LMIs, low to moderate income communities, are black, they're Hispanic, they're indigenous. But also when you look at the future of business, you know, we have extraordinary amount of support for women-owned businesses uh, that have invested in our bank because they understand that we also understand that women have significant challenges to getting access to capital. All the numbers say that. And so when you look at anyone who has not been able to break through the system because uh, of a lack of trust in existing institutions or a lack of feeling as though they're valued by other institutions, then redemption needs to be that place. When we tell people why they should invest in redemption, uh, because we want to build a bank that people actually want to use, people they feel a bank they feel good about, that knows that they understand their needs. Well, I learned from you that there are just 18 Black-owned banks left in the United States. Black banks have been historically under-resourced and some of the first to fall during recession or times of economic hardship. How do we make sure that that doesn't happen to Redemption Bank in Utah? Well, I think that the reason we chose Utah is, is, is exactly, you know, the first reason. You know, many of the African-American banks that have fallen over the last you know, 60 years. And I talk sometimes about my own family's bank that failed in the 1976 before I was even born. Uh, and, you know, a lot of that has to do with economic downturn. And many of the African-American-owned banks, well, all of them, are headquartered in predominantly black areas. And unfortunately, in our country, African-American unemployment has hovered about twice that of everybody else since, you know, Reconstruction. And or sometimes worse than that, but at least twice that. And so 
when you live in a, in a state of economic fragility, as the economy downturns and unemployment spikes and it's double that in your neighborhood versus others, that affects the institutions that need that revenue. Uh, and banks are no different than uh, the local car shop or the local car dealer or, or the mechanic shop. You know, they still they, they suffer because the people around them are suffering. And when that happens, these banks go under. So. To your point, you know, holidays has got a different dynamic. It's got a different level of wealth. It's got a different level of, of, of income and stability. And we think that having a platform for a black-owned bank in a stable, thriving community like Holiday actually helps us de-risk this bank from the normal ebbs and flows of the economy that have unfortunately been the demise of other black banks. So we're stepping out of, uh, onto a different level uh, a playing field. And we think that that foundation and then you add on top of that, the tremendous support that we received from institutions and businesses and the, you know, the, the families of, of Salt Lake City that have that have you know been bedrock of the economy there. We think we got a tremendous opportunity to not fall victim to those ebbs and flows and to be able to be in a more stable foundational uh, posture to be able to move forward. It's interesting to me to think about what it could mean that like people in the community I grew up in you know, Tampa Bay, Florida, could be banking in holiday <laughs> just down the street from me now. Right, right, right. And, and I think that's a big part of, of, of what a lot of people are looking for. I mean, people, you know, when you look at your, your phone now, you know, people do a lot of bank, banking activity with entities and companies. They don't know where they are. Uh, we're using Venmo. We're using Cash App. I mean, there's so much money that moves in a gig economy with fintechs now that banks have to keep up. And I think that's really our, our future and our focus is to be able to partner with financial technology firms as well as maybe invest in some that can put us in a posture of meeting tomorrow's financial needs. You know, um, the average barber uh, is accepting transactions, not even on Apple Pay, but they're using Cash App, they're using Zelle, they're using Venmo. Those apps are connected to banks. And you don't know where they are, but you're using them every day. And so that just goes to show that the future of banking is transparent. It is mobile and people need to feel as though they're securely transacting with the institution that can meet their needs no matter where they are. The Living Traditions Festival is back in downtown Salt Lake City, May 17th through 19th. And this is when I come alive. It is so easy to sell me on three days of Washington Square and Library Square converting to a global food court. And this festival has truly been one of my favorites for years now. Living Traditions convenes the diversity of artistic traditions, food heritage, music, and art from the many cultures that have made Utah their home. You can expect everything from live music and dance to hands-on workshops, a little shopping, Sundance film screenings, and Bohemian Brewery. There is something for the whole family, and it's free entry. Come celebrate all of the rich cultures that make up our community. Find more information on the festival and view the full program guide at livingtraditionsfestival.com or on Instagram and Facebook at SLC Living Trad. We talk a lot on this show about our city's crown jewels. What are the institutions that open doors in our community and regulate its pulse? I choose Salt Lake Community College, and it is a home for incredibly focused Salt Lakers. Nearly 80% of their students work while going to school, many full-time jobs. If I could do college all over again, 
I would not be 33 and sitting on these damn student loans. And slick students aren't. 80% graduate with little to no student loan debt or save thousands knocking out credits before transferring to a four-year institution. Every day, Salt Lake Community College is transforming lives and communities through education. If you want to learn something new, refine a trade, or pursue a higher degree for the first time, explore your options at slcc.edu. Study alongside hard workers, save precious money, and be one in a class of 19, not 100. Well, on the note of fintech, financial technology, I would be remiss if I didn't ask you. I mean, you've spoken to a friendly regulatory environment for banking in the state of Utah. But if you ask any consumer protection lawyer here, they'll tell you that's part of the reason four of our local banks have ended up on a watch list from the National Consumer Law Center for Predatory Lending Practices. You and I both know that some of the origins of these predatory lending practices are racial discrimination. Does it worry you that Utah's warm to these practices? Well, I wouldn't say that Utah is warm to those practices, but I will say that it definitely takes a very hands-off approach. And when you have a state that has very lax usury laws like Utah, meaning that people can charge interest rates with a far greater flexibility than other states, um, that just means that the businesses that, you know, can take advantage of that flexibility, but that's on the business. You know, that is, that is fully falls at the hands of the, of the people leading that business. And, you know, the, the regulators are rightfully so concerned about people that try to take advantage of anybody. But, you know, for us, that flexibility doesn't automatically mean that like, we're going to go to the, the worst end of this and charge people astronomical rates. That's the total opposite of what our mission is. And, and I think that a lot of banks, when you look at the amount of banks that Utah has, you got plenty to don't do that. Uh, but I, I think for us, we are, we're going to be in that crowd of, we understand that the financial system in our country has made it expensive to be poor in America. Uh, if you're poor in America and you're underbanked, you're going to spend more of your disposable income to get access to your money that you actually earned and you worked hard for. And we want to be a part of that solution, you know, which people shouldn't be relegated to having to go to check cashing places and title on places and online lending um, that are charging astronomical rates just because they need access to capital to capitalize their dreams and, and their families and their businesses. And so having a trusted financial institution that is an actual bank that is leaning more towards equality and equity than it is trying to make a profit off of people who are doing their best every day to make ends meet uh, puts us in a position where I think we can really focus on purpose, but also focus on profit, do good and do well. And I think our investors are expecting us to do that and we're going to deliver. When I hear you talk about Redemption Bank, it is impossible to argue with the fact that this work feels kind of personal to you. Like, why is this work so important to you? When you when you're surrounded and this is a lot of it coming from Atlanta, right? You know, being someone that grew up in the deep south and grew up in Atlanta, uh, in a place where you can become good friends with the daughter of people like Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. because you live in the same city and you're still fighting the same struggles that our parents fought and our grandparents fought. Um, you're worn by the heat of history every day to wake up and, and try to figure out a way to make this country better because I grew up in the cradle of the civil rights movement, the place where it was, where it was born out of and the leaders uh, that our city gave and our martyrs that have died to you know, make voting rights possible, housing possible, uh, consumer credit possible for more people. Um, you, you're kind of you, it's, a, it's a birthright in Atlanta to, to grow up in this space. Um, and for Dr. King and I both, with my family and our legacy of trying to start a black bank in 1936 to help sharecropper, sharecroppers, uh, former slaves, you know, buy the land of, 
uh, of their former masters to be able to make a profit instead of just sharecropping and leasing the land. Well, this her grandfather, Daddy King, Martin Luther King Sr., who helped found one of the oldest black banks in our country, Citizens Trust Bank in Atlanta, or, or her mother, Coretta Scott King, when she moved from the Northeast with uh, after she got out of grad school back to Atlanta to marry her father, her, her first job when, when, when Martin Luther King Jr. started the movement. And he's, you know, was traveling and um, was a, a preacher trying to make ends meet. You know, her first job was, was a teller at, at a black bank. You know, she, she was at that same bank that Daddy King helped create. Um, you know, w- you know, waking up every day, going to work, seeing the economic opportunity that was coming and going out of that out of that bank and, and being a part of history. And so when you're born into it, legacy is huge for us. Uh, we know what we're inheriting. We know what our parents and grandparents gave to us. And we, we understand that uh, much like they did, that the fight for equality and, and equal rights is not bound to these small communities or to the deep south. It is a nationwide effort. Um, and with technology playing such a critical role in the movement, I think that the, the modern civil rights movement was birthed online. It was birthed on social media. You didn't see a hashtag Black Lives Matter until it was created on Facebook um, around Trayvon Martin. And that created a whole movement. That's not what her father and my grandfather had to do. Um, we did, it was a different way of information traveling. So now that we know that no longer can you say the movement won't be televised, it will be online. And so mm-hmm. that has to be part of our mission, have to be, has to be a part of our strategy. And it's personal for us because we were born into it. It's in our DNA. And we see Utah playing a critical piece in the movement to come. Well, my last question for you. So before he was assassinated, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. called on residents of Memphis to bank in, take their money out of white-owned institutions and deposit it in the black-owned bank in Memphis. I imagine there are listeners to this episode that want to bank in. When will redemption be taking small deposits? <laughs> that, that's a great question and a great quote from Dr. King. It was in one of his, uh, his final speech. Um, and, you know, Tri-State Bank is a friend of ours. Um, it's now Liberty Bank out of New Orleans bought Tri-State Bank. And they're the largest black bank in the country. And they're dear friends. You know, we work closely with them. You know, what one of the special roles that we're going to play in Utah is we're bringing to uh, Holiday what's called a black bank syndication desk. What basically means that loans that are too big for us to do on our own, we will do in concert with every black bank in the country. And I give an example. It could be we did a deal with the National Football League. The NFL basically said, look, you know, the NFL needed to go to to the market for debt. Um, No one black bank was big enough to do it. So we pulled together a minority depository institution, including black banks. And we were able to pull off the the largest deal in sports history with MDIs. And, And that desk will now sit at Redemption in in Holiday, Utah. So that as you talk about doing these deals, um, not only will Redemption lead these deals, but banks like Tri-State that Dr. King called out by name will be a part of these deals. Banks like Citizens Trust. So not only will we be at the forefront of the first black bank in the city, in, 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 the, in the Rockies, will also make Utah the center of gravity for black banking around the country. As big sports and big entertainment look to lean in, they're going to look to us to be able to lead the way when it comes to doing these finance and these deals. We're looking for final regulatory approval. We hope to end of Q1 next year so people can um, you know, start making deposits with us and we can start getting to work and we look forward to it. Yeah, $78 million deal with the NFL, right? That's right. Ashley Bell, CEO of Redemption Holding Company, thank you so much for your time. Welcome to Utah. I appreciate it. Thanks so much, Alan. The U.S. Census Bureau's annual survey of entrepreneurs found that black families are rejected for credit at twice the rate of white applicants. And at current, 
The nearest black-owned banks to Salt Lake City are in Houston or Los Angeles. You can follow Redemption Bank on Instagram at Redemption Holding Company if you want to stay in the loop. That is all for us today here on CityCast Salt Lake. Thank you for listening. We will be back tomorrow morning with more from around this city. Bye.